Hello, and welcome to the Subnormal Podcast. My name is Lauren, and this is a podcast where I talk to artists with spiritual practices because what inspires us spiritually is what feeds us creatively, and sometimes the other way around. This month's conversation is with a performing artist named Sarah. And by that, I mean the type that performs and plays. That's right, Sarah is an actress, but not just an actress. She is also a teacher, a tarot reader, and today we talk about how she weaves all these magical things together in the work that she does. In the conversation I will share with you today, we talk a lot about the magic of how these things work together, how tarot becomes a story in front of us, and it's all about using that story to better understand the world that we are traversing. To connect with Sarah, you can find all the links in the description box of this episode. You can also find her on Instagram at aesthetic.rabbit.tarot to connect with her on her work with the tarot. Sarah not only reads tarot, she also teaches the tarot. So you can connect with her and all of that beautiful magic in the links in the description box. There's also a link to her podcast titled The Ecstatic Rabbit Podcast. Make sure to check that out as soon as you're done listening to this month's episode. Before we get started though, I would love to share some housekeeping with you. As always, if you want to support this podcast and what I do, make sure to check out the link to my Patreon to unlock all sorts of creative rituals where we use art as ritual, monthly prompts and coloring pages, playlists, and other fun things. For as little as $1 a month, you can help make this podcast possible. I also wanted to share some beautiful news. The Big Feelings Coloring Book is going to be printed in early August. It's been a bit longer of a journey to get here, but I am a Virgo moon perfectionist and I will not stop until it is exactly what I want. Um, So thank you for everyone's patience as we finalize everything and get it ready to print. We are almost there. Production should start next week. And then... I hope to share more information about a book release in Philly. So if you are around, make sure you are on my email list. That link will also be in the show notes so you can get all the information early on before it happens. Lastly, I wanted to share that I am doing some workshops in September. I am so excited to be back at Floyd Yoga Jam in Floyd, Virginia this year. 
I will be offering my natural dye workshop as well as a loving little me workshop, which is all about connecting to art as a way to connect to our inner child. I'm also going to be offering three workshops at Anahata's Purpose this year, and I will be sharing all the links to that with folks on my email list as well. Anahata's Purpose is NPA, so if you are in the Philadelphia area, please make sure you look it up. This is a great wellness retreat. I have been participating as a workshop facilitator at Anahata's Purpose for several years now and cannot recommend enough the sweet community that is putting that container together year after year. So again, make sure you're signed up to my email list to get all those blasts. If you're in the Virginia area, make sure to check out Floyd Yoga Jam. And if you're in PA, make sure to check me out at Anahata's Purpose. But with that said, that's all the housekeeping I have for you. Thank you so much for being here, for listening. I hope you enjoy this conversation and are drinking lots of water, taking care of yourself and your needs as we begin to transition (laughs) come August. We will be transitioning into late summer and early fall. I can't believe fall is already almost here. Anyway, I'm so sorry for rambling. Thank you again for listening and let's just dive right in. Um, I am about to start um, this evening, actually, the second session of my class on the minor arcana called everyday magic. Mm. Um, The first time I offered this class, the first time I offered all my classes now um, was very like by the seat of my pants, right? Like very like, I have an idea. Let's just throw it up into the world Mm -hmm. (laughs) and see what happens. And like, I am so grateful for a very consistent group of students who went on that ride with me. through also a very tumultuous personal time. So they were like, they were like right there with me. It was so awesome. And now is the time, right, to go, okay. Like sophomore album, like it's the knights and the court guards. Like, how do I do this the second time? Mm -hmm. How do I tailor it? How do I adjust it? What have I learned? Um, Because I'm pretty good at just kind of flying and going, okay, we'll figure it out as we go along. And I think that that comes in part from my theater training. Cause it's always a little like, you're never done. You're never ready. Mm-hmm. And arguably that's true for a lot more than theater. But with this, it feels like I have this chance to, um, to put my thoughts together in a, a new way, another way, uh, and present them in, in, in a little more structure than I had last time. So that's kind of where, where my mind is right now is like getting ready for that. Um, also getting ready for a second round of my reader's workshop in May, um, Mm. which is less structured inherently because it's about students bringing their work in and us just playing with it together, like kneading and massaging and sculpting with, with their spreads that they bring in. 
So yeah, that I think Mm. is in terms of my tarot work right now, that's kind of the big question is what is round two? (laughs) Mm. And you mentioned earlier that you, your background in theater that you just mentioned, that that really has influenced um, how you work with the tarot. I believe you said you you're trained in a, this is probably wrong, a Shakespearean type of theater, yeah. correct? Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, and you, yep, yep. <laughs> you mentioned that that was a big influence. I would love for you to explain what does that mean? Because Shakespeare, I feel like for me personally, is often the movies I have a hard time following and the stories I read in <laughs> high school. So there's a yep. lot to unpack, I feel like, that I'm not aware of. Totally. Yeah. So, so yeah, I, um, before I was a tarot reader, well, actually that's not true. I, my journey with tarot started when I was 13, 12, 13, and my journey with acting was when I was 13, 14. Mm. So that's, that's a funny thing to remember about myself. Um, but my career path has been for much longer than it was tarot in theater. Um, and I, in 2020, completed my MFA in classical acting, which, you know, can include Shakespeare, uh, Greek, old Greek stuff, but also, you know, all these terms are very kind of like, it's like any genre. It's like, what does that really mean? You know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I do have a ton of training in Shakespeare and the text of Shakespeare and the performance of Shakespeare and um, the history of performance um, over time. So I think, let me, let me group, regroup, group in my head here. Um, mm-hmm. There's a couple of ways that I see these threads between my work in Shakespeare and my work in tarot. Um, the first and the most probably straightforward is just storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a reason that those are the stories that you read in high school, right? Like, I don't mm-hmm. really know why. I have some theories, but that might be for another podcast. I don't really know why Shakespeare lasted the way that it has. I think it's a little bit of luck and a little bit of magic. Mm. That's, you know, um, but there are these stories that we keep telling and, and it's this tradition of bodies getting in front of other bodies and acting out stories right? Mm -hmm. All theater is that. Um, And Shakespeare is particularly sort of archetypal for theater in, let's call it the Western world. Right. Uh, And the whole world, (laughs) because like, let's be honest, colonization, et cetera. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's, there's this like deep human thing about storytelling and learning from telling stories and and the way that we people learn in different ways some by reading some by you know like looking at pictures some by um watching something unfold mm-hmm. um so i think that the way that i tie it that to tarot right is that i really try to look at a tarot spread as a story Mm-hmm. And this is getting kind of into the logistics, like the nuts and bolts of it. Like I had someone um, who I looked up to very much, um, sort of a, an elder of sorts, um, uh, uh, ask me to read their cards at a bar one night. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> I can't do this. How am I going to do this? And they just went, 
tell me the story. And I was like, oh, mm. oh, that I can do. I understand that. I understand what it is to take a Shakespeare scene or speech or whatever, this like dense poetry, right? Mm-hmm. This that's full of symbolism and references and stuff that is so archaic that you need to look it up to know what it means and stuff that is so relevant that it's like, wait, how was that written hundreds of years ago? Like all of it, the density of the poetry. And to see that then unfold in a, in a tarot spread, right? Because like, if you get a card, like the wheel of fortune, it's like, mm-hmm. oh my God, like the density of the imagery and the symbolism and the, the layers and layers of meaning that just, I mean, whether they were intended or not, like are just there on such a deep level. Mm-hmm. So that I think is the, the big one that like seeing this parallel between the the density of symbolism archetype narrative myth in Shakespeare and in tarot and then I went Mm -hmm. okay so what if we approach this the way that I approach Shakespeare what if I look at a card and teach about that card the same way I look at a Shakespeare text and teach someone well, I mean, that's very presumptuous, but like as a teacher guide someone through finding their own um, exploration of that density, right? Mm-hmm. And that kind of comes around to what you said about like the movies that you don't understand and that kind of thing, like that right. sort of like stereotype or, or no, that sort of caricature of Shakespeare, mm-hmm. which is there for good reason, because I don't understand them all because they're boring, <laughs> because <laughs> they're not quite like striking the chord that I believe exists again, both Shakespeare and tarot. And that's the one of like really letting yourself into the work. Right. Mm -hmm. I think that a lot of Shakespeare is very worried about getting it right. And I think Mm -hmm. that um, I've experienced a lot of students in my classes trying to get it right. Yeah. So Mm -hmm. with any poetry, like, what is it without someone reading it? What is it without an audience member listening to an actor make their way through a soliloquy? Um, something that comes up for students in my classes a lot is this concern that they're projecting too much. They're like, oh, well, that might just be my like thing. And I'm like, that's what it's for. <laughs> like, yes. it's for a lot of different stuff. And there's a lot of like all of that history, all of that scholarly stuff is great. Let's bring it in. Let's do it. Let's dig deep. Let's do the research. Let's like nerd out. But it needs like the magic sauce of your personal experience, your projections, like please Mm -hmm. project onto these cards. How else will we develop an intuitive relationship with them Mm -hmm. if we don't really let our whole self uh, come to the table? I love that connection. I think that makes a whole lot of sense for me and just kind of hearing it because there is a very delicate balance. I think whenever we're, we're working with these things where we're having to just constantly evaluate how much is this wisdom that I'm sharing with these cards and how much of it is like what I might want something to say because that is ultimately Mm. I think the fine line Mm. I'm curious because this connection between performative art really taking on 
um, the stage and putting that into the tarot, I'm curious as a performer, as someone who teaches, um, this sort of work, how does that on the flip side look for you or your students on stage? Cause I'm curious if your work with tarot kind of influences back and forth, cause it seems like it, it yeah. might possibly. Yeah. 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 You know, I've thought about that less, um, mm. but I think this is my first time putting these thoughts together, which is awesome. Uh -huh. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> I come from a theatrical training that um, has in certain instances left me uncomfortable with the way that it has walked that fine line right mm -hmm. a training that has um almost capitalized a little too much off of people's suffering and i think that that is a story that we see across all art forms certainly throughout the theater we're seeing all of these you know um people coming out about how problematic method acting can be on film sets mm. like that that's kind of a, a buzz again right now it's cyclical it comes back all the time mm -hmm. um and i i also was listening to something recently about the sort of like the narrative of the struggling miserable artist you know uh the painter who has no friends and only writes to their brother right like you know mm -hmm. there's there's this sort of um an archetype in a way, a, a more contemporary archetype, although perhaps also ancient, of like the suffering artist. Mm -hmm. and that again is like a huge conversation for another time, but I think that the um, walking the line in my tarot practice, first as a reader and now as a teacher, between the fact that I know a lot about these cards, have a lot of information to share about them, mm -hmm. have a knack, truly just a knack for like people <laughs> and what challenges people and mm -hmm. um, how to communicate it balanced with the fact that I am not like a professional counselor by any means. Um, and am not, it is not my job however tempting it can be at times, just because sometimes you can see it or someone brings something to the table and they're like, I'm dealing with this, this, and this. And I'm like, okay, how do I both like provide a container for that without crossing a line into an arena that is not my wheelhouse, mm -hmm. um, nor my responsibility, nor do I have any right to set foot in that, um, in that person's journey in that way. Mm -hmm. Is that clear? I think so. I am understanding okay. what you're saying as far I can as kind of go back over that. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I I'm, there's two points that are very interesting to me. One, the connection of this, the suffering artist, yeah. which is such an archetype that needs to die. If ever there was yeah. one. Truly, um, truly, truly. But then and I, I can, think, I, I'm, yeah, I have yet to tie that back around. I just wanted to make sure that that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Great. Okay. So having, okay. So having worked with that fine line in the tarot practice, bringing mm -hmm. it back over to the theater practice, I think that it just has like 
I mean, I keep using the word practice as a term for my doing of a thing, but it truly is the practice of the thing, the repetition of the thing, getting better and better at the thing. Um, the thing being knowing where I can set my foot and knowing when to stop walking forward. And also knowing how to invite people into something without dragging them mm -hmm. and without making them feel like they ought to, because here's a big difference. A tarot client comes to the table and the boundaries are relatively clear. Like we're here for a specific period of time. Money has been exchanged directly um, or a trade that has been negotiated. Um, and I am a tarot reader and you have hired me. When you step into the theater classroom, the power dynamic is really different, mm -hmm. right? Um, now I have tarot clients show up and, and um, there's sometimes like a texture of them seeking approval the same way that you might seek approval from a counselor or from like, like call it a guidance counselor at school or like a teacher at school, right? Like right. there is, there can be that thing, but in the theater classroom, there's such a scarcity mentality in the theater industry. And I think mm -hmm. across all the arts, but theater, that thing of like actors being a dime a dozen, mm -hmm. it really <laughs> has this really gross effect on, on the psychology of people in the form. And, um, that often manifests as like, I will do anything to please any authority member. Like I will do anything to please any authority figure in this field. Mm. So as a theater teacher, that can be tempting, right? For some people, for me, I will not, you know, I'm not so ashamed to admit because it's just the simple truth that like the ego, my ego loves when people want my approval. Because right. it feels good to give that approval, right? Mm -hmm. It feels good to be to bestow, and that happens in tarot classes too. So it's like, all right, how do we pull back from that? Because it's my responsibility. I'm the one setting that container as the reader, as the teacher, as the theater teacher, mm -hmm. as the coach, as a director. Um, I'm the one setting the container, saying, "Here's where we tread." In this box, you may bring in your personal experiences, your trauma, your history, your baggage, your hopes, your dreams. Um, if you want to bring them into this box, they are welcome here. If it gets to a point where it is no longer healthy for everyone else in the box, it is my responsibility to do something about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it is not my place to yank your trauma, drama, baggage, dreams, hopes, right? The whole spectrum into this box. Mm. And tarot, I think, set me up for success with that because it's like a really clear boundary where the theater classroom dynamic is, can you be a lot hazier? Yeah, no, that makes sense to me. That makes a lot of sense as far as like um, really setting an expectation of integrity in both those spaces, yes. because that's definitely, I think, um, as Tara, I just, I remember when I was getting, um, my Reiki two attunement, the teacher who was very, um, insightful sharing that it is not our place. Even if someone is coming to us for support to be projecting or sharing without 
asking permission first. Like, would you like to know my thoughts? Would you like to know Mm -hmm. what came up for me? And like, I think in the spiritual world and the more of that scape, we're learning more um, efficacy for supporting our clients, people that we interact with. And I think that's a really great thing to see within that space. And then to also see it kind of being replicated elsewhere, kind of that ripple effects that when you have that awareness being brought to you, it means a lot and it changes Mm. your perspective on things in a way that I think is really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, it, it puts me in mind of the, the fact that the the spiritual, and I will call it the spiritual industry, and I use that word very specifically, can mm-hmm. wind up with the same power dynamic or a very similar power dynamic. Like mm-hmm. there's a reason that some of the like really insular theater companies like look a whole lot like insular spiritual communities. And that's all I'll say on that. <laughs> that yeah, makes yeah. sense. It, it just has the, yeah. I feel like I understand what you're saying. The moment you're saying mm-hmm. that I don't even know mm-hmm. a theater company, but you saying that I'm like, I feel like I know now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Mm. So that brings me to another question. You mentioned that you work with movement a lot. And so I would love for you to explain that more because I do like, is that how you move on stage? Is it directly associated with dance specifically? Um, I would love to understand that flow a little more since I love mm-hmm. when anybody is talking about getting in their bodies and like movement. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And flow is exactly the word because um, to put it in a nutshell, it's all of it. Mm-hmm. And part of, and that's not by mistake. That's very um, intentional on my part. So a little bit of background, um, my my body is larger, shorter, rounder than the body, the beauty standard for the industry that I'm in, in theater, and certainly for the world of dance. Mm. Now, we are watching that changing like constantly all around us, and we love to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, and still. Right. Um, so because of that, and because I'm very smart, (laughs) I kind of landed in this identity as a performer. Um, and because I love Shakespeare and I thought that Shakespeare was smart. Mm -hmm. Um, I landed in this world of going, okay, so intellectual, like language and, and like, you know, looking shit up in the dictionary. I don't know if I'm allowed to curse on here. Looking no, stuff up good. in the dictionary. Yeah. <laughs> um, and like, I probably already have without even noticing it, but, um, but yeah, like, like doing that nerdy deep dive book smart thing. Mm-hmm. And I felt really, really left out in movement classrooms. I was scared of them. I was drawn to them, but also had that sort of like, if you, you know, if you love it, like if it makes you, what is it? I had a clown teacher who would say, if it makes you laugh, if it makes you cry, or if it makes you angry, then like you're going in the right direction. (laughs) It kind of Mm. felt like that. I was like, oh, like, I think that there's something there, but I just, oh, it's not for me. I won't be accepted. I don't like it. So it kind of spiraled into this whole narrative Mm -hmm. of being like, I'm not a mover. I'm not a dancer. 
then somewhere along the way, I encountered um, like pure, like historical dance. So we're talking like through my study of Shakespeare, like yeah. folk, like folk and court dances, oh, which yes. because it's for everybody, <laughs> mm-hmm. it is really easy to learn. And then you can get really good at it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the most fun thing I've ever done. <laughs> what is going on? And so it kind of woke something up in me um, that then by the luck of where I was, who I was friends with, what I was up to, I felt permission to continue to explore. And that Mm -hmm. led me eventually around and about to um, more somatic practices, many of which are very therapeutic, whether for physical therapy or for, you know, uh, psychological processing, et cetera. And I kind of break it down into like physical work and like expressive work, right? There's the physical that's just kind of going, okay, what is this body and what can it do? Anatomical. Um, And then there's expressive of like, and now how does it tell stories? And some of that Mm -hmm. looks like dance and some of that looks like flopping around on the floor. And some of that looks like lying still. And some of that looks like yoga. And some of that looks like just stretching. Um, It takes so many different forms, but to bring it around to Shakespeare, which I think will help bring it around to tarot. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What I realized I had this whole idea, right? I said before, like language, intellect, dictionary, And I remember somewhere along the way in my Shakespeare training, having this moment of like, oh, every word is an onomatopoeia. Every word can be onomatopoetic. Mm. And I think that that might be the key to my acting. Like if I really had to simplify it, like Mm -hmm. oversimplify it, like that's kind of the thing. And so onomatopoeia is an extremely physical experience right? It's like, Mm -hmm. where is your tongue and your mouth? Where is this pitch and this shape of your like palate and your, and your tongue and your jaw, like vibrating in your body, like all the way down, you know? And part Mm -hmm. of it is sort of imaginative and visualizations. And part of it is actually literal, like anatomy. Um, So as I started to learn more about the anatomical stuff, as I started to continue to give myself permission to experience more physicality um, and movement, and as I realized the way that language is so, um, such a beautiful bridge between the intellectual, let's call it, and the physical, truly for lack of better terms, that just cracked stuff open. So then I'm going to take this language post as the bridge to tarot, because Mm -hmm. I think that that is indicative of like, again, all of that symbolism, history, baggage, um, like all of the layers of meaning, mythology that we see in the sort of language of symbols that we see in the tarot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And even the, the words, I mean, when we pull any card like at let's think any of the major arcana right there are cards where i won't say a thing about the card until i ask someone what does this word mean to you because Mm -hmm. i want to make sure that there's space for their deep long journey with that word with this language that that has a place in our work together in the tarot reading right Mm -hmm. um 
Yeah. So <laughs> I think that's what I have to say on that. <laughs> oh, I love that. I, I love that connection specifically to asking, you know, that curiosity of posing the question of what does this word mean to you? Because the first card that came up to my my brain when you said that was judgment. And so yes. that can be Great one a really interesting card because it can be super triggering. Even the visuals are like, you know, I, I grew up in a Christian household. Mm -hmm. The left behind books were always on the bookshelf. Like Mm -hmm. that can have a lot of, um, knowing that insight of where someone goes with that word and what might be triggering behind it. Sounds Mm -hmm. just like a really great way to preface in the reading of like, okay, where's the other person coming from? Yeah. Yeah. That's something that, I mean, I think as anyone, as we grow up, one of the things that we all have potential for, right, is to make more space for the experiences of others. I mean, that's, that's no, that's not, that's not new, (laughs) but, but there is, I've noticed it very concretely in my, in my tarot practice that um, as a reader, the ways that I, the more comfortable I get with the deck and the work itself, the more mm-hmm. I'm able to notice what's coming up for someone, you know, and that's something that I, that I talk about a lot. Like I've got, you know, it's in my FAQ that I ask people to read before the session is like, we're going to talk about like, what is your word for what makes these cards do anything? Like, are we talking right. God? Are we talking Jesus? Are we talking universe, higher self, coincidence, chaos? Like, what is your word? Because I can use any of those words. They all have a different meaning, but they all, to me, as Sarah, represent something unified, which Mm -hmm. means that I can work in any of those paths to help you arrive just as much as I am able to. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Mm. On that note, what is your word what is the word that you kind of resonate with most yeah um uh, (laughs) yeah yes the answer is yes (laughs) Mm. I truly in the last couple of years especially after a childhood of being fascinated by mythologies and different uh belief systems and religions you know I always think that I should have majored in religion instead of theater. Mm. I think that it's one of the best ways to learn about people is through studying religion and history. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I call on whatever word I need on the day that I need it. Mm. I do think it's all the same. Um, now I go through phases. So I've I don't really have a word right now. I have a concept more than I have language for it right now, but I will say, you know, I was raised Jewish. Um, I am Jewish. I identify with my Judaism, Um, not to the exclusion of all kinds of other stuff. (laughs) Um, And yeah, the, if I had to put a word to it right now, it would be, uh, Shekhina, which is a Mm. word that through history has come to um, be more commonly understood as like the feminine uh, 
aspect of the Jewish God, which is complicated and has like lots yeah. of roots in Kabbalah and like, you know, we can have a conversation about gender sometime and, um, you know, there's so much to unpack there. Right. <laughs> but for me, what that means uh, and what I, my understanding is that it has meant uh, longer ago than Kabbalah, like longer ago than the um, early modern and like middle ages mm-hmm. is really just kind of nature. It's that like the physical aspect of God, the ask that the the presence of divinity, like that we can walk past, like the breeze. I talk mm. about dappled light a lot. Um, the smells of certain flowers like wafting past us. Um, for me, bird song. Um, so yeah, Shahina is the word, but my understanding of that word for myself right now is not necessarily what you find on Wikipedia. (laughs) What a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. That's so fascinating. It's always interesting to me to know people's religious backgrounds, because it is true. This does influence us deeply. I feel like the majority Mm -hmm. of people I've talked to, you know, even though they don't necessarily identify strongly with those roots, I've whether I've talked to Catholics or from people from Muslim backgrounds and, and just Christian backgrounds, it's fascinating because that even if it's not completely ingrained within our culture that we uphold in the day-to-day, it's not like obvious on the street, what, what we have been raised in, that it still has a beautiful influence. It's almost like we, as we grow, just get to pick those pieces that are the most supportive in the work that we do. And so it's really interesting to hear that. Also, I didn't know this until recently, but there's a lot of witchy, and maybe I shouldn't say this, but there's a lot of witchy Mm. practices in Judaism with like connection to trees and just like reverence Mm. for nature. And what a magical thing. I had no idea there was this reverence for nature that just is so deep. It's beautiful. Yeah, it's it's a funny one to track. And as I've I've been, you know, picking up courses here and there and books and learning more about it, I have a like Jewish trees of myth and magic poster over oh. my stove that's um Saul Weiss and Dory Midnight made together. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm wow. kind of fangirly about it. But but what's interesting is that there's as with almost everything in Judaism, there's such a streak of the practical to it, which Mm. I just love. Like I, I've always felt like since I was very young and first learned about, I think it was Catholicism that I really learned about first um, as far as other religions, because we traveled a lot in Europe. Mm-hmm. And so visiting, visiting the cathedrals and going, what is this? Cause this looks different, uh-huh. <laughs> right? That like, I couldn't understand, like mm, what struck me as the big difference was that Judaism doesn't really even bother to figure out what comes next after this lifetime. Right. Mm. Like Judaism is like, so like, (laughs) let's make the best of it while we're here in this way that I found really, I I find to be a very powerful, uh, uh, you know, distinguish, distinguisher between it and other, other various other faiths. 
And um, the other thing that's really cool about Judaism that I think also has to do with a sense of wonder um, with nature is that like how holy it is to question everything, mm-hmm. right? Like the holiest thing you can do is sit around and like argue about what God meant without necessarily coming to an answer, right? Mm, like I love how that. cool is that? <laughs> For so many, we see so many religions and so many of these faiths like infiltrate so much of the rest of society that is about like, you know, the letter of the law, like, right. Like literal interpretation or just unquestioning interpretation, even if it's non-literal, like whatever it may be and just going, well, that's what it means. Therefore we must stick to that rule. Like Judaism has its rules. I mean, lots, right. But they, we can track how they change over time, over history. Like some of the rules about what's kosher and not had to do with like diseases that animals had, like there's Mm -hmm. this practicality to it and this willingness and duty and responsibility to question and to go, well, I don't know if that's really what that meant and to like really get into it. And, you know, the word Yisrael has many meanings and implications, especially in the world today. As I re-encounter some of the language of prayer, as I'm like integrating Judaism back into my life Mm -hmm. um, or in a bigger way than it used to be, like thinking about Israel, which we won't get into also, (laughs) like this is our fourth alternate episode, right? Um, Thinking about Israel and the word Israel, the word Israel, like I looked into like, okay, what are all of the meanings? Knowing that no one word ever has just one meaning, right? Bringing us all the way back Mm -hmm. to language, circle closes. Um, But one of the meanings of the word Israel is to wrestle, the wrestler. And we get the story of Jacob. Did Jacob wrestle an angel? Who wrestled an angel? They got renamed Israel. Let me look that up. Do you know? <laughs> I I don't. The only like thought I have is like David and Goliath. Jacob. I did oh, it. Good. <laughs> it's Jacob. Nailed it. <laughs> nice. So Jacob wrestled this angel as like a test of something, something. And, and I think was then given this name, Israel, the wrestler. And so for me, it's like, okay, the people of Israel, the Jews, like we wrestle, like we get into it. We sink our teeth in and try to understand every day. Mm. Um, and that to me connects with wonder, connects with nature, that willingness to go, no, it's not seen one bird, seen them all not all sparrows are going to be the same, you know, and to really take that wonder in every blade of grass um, because there might be something new to understand about it. Mm. That feels good. That feels very good. (sighs) I guess another question to kind of like encapsulate all of this is what are your dreams for the future? Or where do you see your work going? Because all roads seem to be going, are, are converging, it sounds like. And so I'm curious to know <laughs> where is yeah. this going for you or what are your um, dreams or goals that you're looking for? Yeah, I love that you're asking that question on this this day of this like Jupiter-Neptune situation. Yep. And I <laughs> have been <laughs> thinking a lot about dream lately, both sleep dreams that have been very difficult for me lately, as well as like hopes and dreams. Um, This is a moment in my life where I'm really straddling um, the, the world of 
fancy and whimsy and like openness to the unknown alongside a lot of really practical uh, and difficult logistics. Difficult on a logistical level, difficult on an emotional level, psychologically, philosophically. Mm -hmm. So as I'm sort of suspended between those points, you know, I'm applying for jobs. <laughs> I'm like applying to teach movement and theater <laughs> in mm -hmm. universities. And that feels almost impossible. Um, I'm running a business, <laughs> which feels almost impossible. Mm -hmm. And um, what, I, what I want for my future, what I see as the dream is not so, is not so clear. But I think that what it is, it, it doesn't exist in my mind's eye, but it exists in my body, my dreams mm -hmm. for what comes next. I, I, I'm able to, and I've been experimenting with taking this and putting it into language more poetically, um, but I dream of certain sensations. I dream of that, that feeling that mm. texture, um, that like, whether it's warmth or vibration or, um, you know, whatever it might be shimmering, like my dreams, I don't know how I'll get there. I don't know what it's going to look like. Cause I thought a lot of things about what my life would look like five years ago. And then again, two years ago and now again, and it's all so wild. And like Saturn Return is really doing its thing. Oh, <laughs> but, but like, <laughs> but like as I reach, you know, I'm I I'm 28 now. As I look at the next two years before hitting 30, where everyone says it gets easier. <laughs> um, I kind of am like, I, I don't, I don't know what it's gonna be. I don't know what my building blocks are. Mm. But I do have a dream for the sensations that I feel. Um, and for some of them being very like external, like not just an internal sensation, like I'm trying to let my dreams take the shape of like tastes, like my, mm. I dream of like the taste of really nice wine now and again, you know, little things like that. Like, like I dream of that breeze always, I'll always come back to the wind. And so, um, this is more far out than I, than I think I've really been able to express before, but yeah, that's that's where my like aspiration lives and i want it all i want the job at the university i want to be in the plays i want to be producing the things i want to be running the tarot business and like mm. i want that the teaching to grow although i'll here's how i'll wrap it up is to say my answer is to say that teaching is the thing teaching has mm. become the thing like the capital t thing for me and um if I could make a career of teaching tarot, cool, great. If I can make a career of teaching acting and theater and movement, awesome. If I can do both, love it. Mm -hmm. If that teaching takes a different form, who knows what? I would like to be a parent one day. I see that as partly teaching, not exclusively, but partly. Right. Um, you know, whether that becomes finally going back to school for a practical degree and becoming a therapist like that has an aspect of the teaching in it um because i believe that teaching is not bestowing knowledge but helping others find their wisdom mm -hmm. so as long as i'm doing that dreams fulfilled
Beautiful. I'd love for you to share where everyone can continue this journey with you. I love the idea of the future being sensations. I'm like going to ruminate on that for the rest of the day. So am I, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So where to find me? Um, My business is called Ecstatic Rabbit Tarot, um, readings and education. You can find me at ecstaticrabbit.com. Um, on Instagram, it's ecstatic.rabbit.tarot. Um, and uh, that's that's really the only socials. I'm on Facebook. It's just my Instagram automatically shared. So mm-hmm. find me on Insta. I'm most active on there. I love connecting with people through there. Um, and I also have a newsletter that goes out once or twice a month um, that is, you know, keeps you up to date on news and stuff. But also I share some of my musings, kind of some of my meanderings. If you liked hearing me ramble on about any of the stuff that I rambled on about in this, that, that would be... Um, that would be a place to get some more of that. And I have a podcast that's been on hiatus, but is probably making a return in some, well, has already made a return in a structure and probably will continue Mm. to um, revive over the course of the summertime. Yes. Love to see it. Well, (laughs) thank you for sharing your words of wisdom and your reflection, Sarah. It was a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. I had a great time.